Everybody, welcome to UGA Sports Live. My name is Rodney Nabolsi. I'm joined by Dane Young and the Hall of Famer himself, Jim Donnan, the former head coach of the University of Georgia Bulldogs, and the man who uh, is, well, he's the main reason everybody's tuning in. Let's call it what it is. I was going to say the man who answers all our questions, but you're only here to hear Jim Donnan, and that's okay. Dane and I, our feelings aren't hurt because we get to do the show with Coach, and it uh, we learn a lot. Uh, speaking of the first thing that I learned was – the man knows his quarterbacks. He was a quarterback. He coached them. He, I've, I've been beside him when coaches from all over the college and NFL reach out to him to ask him about quarterbacks. And the man knows his stuff. So, uh, Coach, before we get into uh, you know, thanking Athens Ford, Europe High, Academia, Dead Soxy for being uh, sponsors of our show, I want to go right into the – it's not even a quarterback controversy, but the quarterback news from last week. JT Daniels has an oblique issue. How bad is it? Uh, that that's up in the air. But then we come to find out it's bad enough to hold him out, let him heal, and Stetson Bennett gets to start against uh, UAB and just absolutely has a uh, career day. You know, one of the best days for any Georgia quarterback ever ties the uh, uh, school record for five touchdowns. Uh, give me your thoughts on Stetson Bennett and uh, this whole quarterback situation, if you would. Well, for all, I was happy for uh, Georgia just that we were able to look a little bit more like the team that I envisioned us being in the spring. Uh, you know, even though we're still lacking some players at the skill positions, I, I thought the uh, game plan, explosiveness, the uh, execution, the uh, lineup, the discipline, getting lined up, the, just the mechanic game just looked a lot more, you know, more smooth. But I think uh, from a personal perspective, you're always happy for a guy that's a team player that uh, Kirby recognized after the game uh, locker room that, you know, the guy had every reason to tuck his tail and maybe go play smaller school or, you know, not have the attitude that he had because let's be realistic, he didn't get many reps in the spring. He didn't get many reps in the fall. Um the one scrimmage I was able to go to when the Letterman were there, uh, you know, he hardly even played. So um, the point being, I'm happy for the kid just because of the fact that uh, he exemplifies the team spirit. And that's not BS there. You got to have team guys because yeah. nobody can uh, team, uh, you know, uh, one year and then all of a sudden he's third team and then all of a sudden his attitude goes sour and all that. You can't have that. So he's really done well from that perspective. As far as the decision-making on it, uh, it was basically by Kirby, which I would have uh, certainly entertained too, based on my defense, is the fact you have a veteran quarterback that uh, knows the sense, proven itself uh, time after time uh, in, in games. And, uh, Basically, it looked to me like, listen, Kirby, uh, they had uh, uh, during the week back in uh, in uh, Stetson to see who could run the club the best. And uh, because Beckett had, as Kirby had alluded to all year, had uh, second team quarterback and, you know, had the first opportunity to be the first team quarterback all week. And based on what Kirby said, uh, he didn't grabbed the bull by the horns like Stetson did. So I feel bad that Beck did shot, but, you know, at the same time, I 
feel like he's had a heck of a shot all sp spring and fall being out there ahead of Stetson. And he certainly got a lot of, uh, you know, anyway, he's got four years. So hopefully he'll keep working and see the, the benefit of uh, some of the things that didn't happen in, for him in practice. He can do better. Now, I know that for a fact, but reading the handwriting on the wall, listening to, to Kirby talk and knowing him like I do, that's how that decision was uh, – uh, you know, made, but you no, know, there's people out there that are always going to jump on me uh, and you and everybody that just say, Hey, well, what's the future like? Well, right now you can't worry about the future. You got to win the next game and, uh, and, and continue to develop these guys in practice. That's what I, anybody realizes at this point Beck hasn't seen anybody in a game that he hasn't seen in practice. All of our players uh, in our second team is pretty capable of that too. So, uh, you know, it's hard to get the game reps, that's for sure, in front of all the fans and all. But uh, I think Beck has made really good developments from last year to this year. And I'll see the same thing with uh, Brock Vandergrift. The more he gets to – do and uh, and be around the system and learn and meet. He's got an advantage that Beck didn't have. Beck didn't get all that uh, meeting time and all that. So, long story short, we got a good situation here as far as the depth at quarterback. Um, whether it's going to be an uh, an issue now about which one plays between JT and Stetson, that's going to be up in the air, of, um, and it's going to be up to Coach Smart and Coach Monkey. And it's not up to us, but. Uh, I just we, know, we don't get a vote. Yeah, I just know based on what I've seen that the team looks comfortable with either one of these guys in there. And the advantage Stetson has, I'll, I'll go advantage for each one here. The advantage Stetson has is his threat of the run, his movement in the pocket, his ability to run the zone read and keep it, uh, his ability to get around the rush certainly enhances this plan with this line as it develops. Whereas JT, some of his best shots are not out there right now. He doesn't have Kyrus. He doesn't have uh, Pickens. He doesn't have a deep ball guy that can really move the pocket, move the ball down. the. And right now that some of those players aren't playing. So you got to look at what what's best for the whole overall team and, and uh, I don't know the, the answer to that yet. I guess a lot of it have to do with JT's ready to go. If he's ready to go, then I'm sure they're going to fight it out. And uh, he deserves first shot at it because he was a starting quarterback. So we'll see how that goes. That's a good point. Uh, I want to switch gears. And Dane, I know a lot of people want to reevaluate the decision-making process there. And a lot of people were – uh, taken by surprise because it was a Tuesday last week that Coach Smart said, hey, Carson Beck's our number two. Now, he didn't come out. A lot of people said, well, why did he go out and announce that? He didn't announce that. He was asked a question. And that was true as of Tuesday. You know, he said, who's your number two? Number two. But two questions here. A, how long does that last? You know, are you the number two forever? And if the number one goes out, are you automatically moved up? And uh, the second one, how many people are still questioning that decision based on what we saw on the field? I mean, what we saw when uh, Stetson Bennett got out there was a guy whose four of his first five passes were touchdowns. Then 
Carson Beck gets out there and he has to hand off three times. But then in the second series, he gets out there, he gets to throw and the throws aren't online. They're not on target. He just, as his coach said, that how the team looks comfort wise, it look, you could definitely see a difference between the two. So to me, it's like, you may you want you might have questioned Kirby's decision when he announced the starter, but by the end of the game, who the hell was who was questioning that? As far as how long that decision lasts, Kirby Smart always says, "I'm going to play whoever gives Georgia the best chance to win the game." So I don't think that's coach speak. We hear it enough that it feels like coach speak, but I think it's true. And so if on Friday morning or Thursday afternoon or Wednesday, if that changed in that moment, then it changed, and it sounds like that's probably what Very happened. Fair. Uh, like it, it wasn't, I don't think there was some intentional dishonesty or misleading or anything like that. It's circumstances changed for what reasons I'm not in practice. I can't tell you, I can assume, (laughs) I can assume that Carson Bank that I would interject here is the second team quarterback, uh, at Georgia, uh, at this point, when you go teamwork and they do a lot of teamwork, they do team pass, they do team run, they do team seven on seven. Explain that, explain that coach. What do you mean by team? Well, they're working on the running game and they work against the the defense. They don't go against the scout team. So you do a 10 minute period of team run, two on two, one on one team pass, which is third down red zone, all that two on two, one on one, and sometimes three on three. Okay. And then, then you do seven on seven, which is the same thing. So Carson was going against the twos the whole spring, the whole fall. So when he goes in there and he's with the ones, he's going against that defense that we got. <laughs> that there, yes, okay. Tell you something, that's a different ball game. And, uh, and maybe it didn't work out as good. Stetson's had a lot of, a lot of time doing that, going one versus one. And maybe um, – that didn't work out as good. And when, when Kirby was asked that question on Tuesday after practice, there was, you know, there had to be some doubt about uh, JT at that point, but nobody in the press or anybody out in the world knew that when they asked that question, who's number two, based on the fact they thought JT wouldn't play. You mean, he was just saying he was a number two quarterback. So a lot of it, a lot of it's semantics and all, but I do feel like, being number two at Georgia is good. It's good because that means you're going to get the next shot at being the number one guy. But when you get in there as the number one guy, you're going to have to really do some good stuff because you're going to start – it's not like, okay, we're going to go against the three defense. And, uh, you know, hey, you're going against Jordan Davis and Clark and those guys rushing the passer and all. So that's tough. That's, that's tough. And our, our offense – block them at great nobody does so i mean Stetson's got an advantage jump around in the pocket he can do that and beck can too a little bit too so i'm defending beck all the way as far as one thing about him he's made dramatic improvement yes no question about it he's he's improved but i've been a big stetson bennett fan ever since he first got here just because he he, he's a team guy, and that's no reason just to play him, but there's something about going in the huddle and you and you listen to a guy like Walker talk about him, said, you know, hey, he, you know, he's a defensive player. He said, hey, he's just cool. You know, you know, you'll get the same thing day in and day out from him. But, uh, you know, we got to look right now as Georgia fans, not me as a coach, not you as a 
whatever you do, Roddy, but you know, you, whatever you, you, you definitely are something there. And Dane, <laughs> uh, we got to look at what's best for Georgia right now to win and, and, and look at, at our team. And that's going to be the answer here against South Carolina. You can't be thinking about, Hey, well, you know, what are you going to do against Florida? What are you going to do against if you get to the Alabama game, all that, but, uh, that brings up a good point, and that's kind of what I was asking Dane about. A lot of people were questioning Kirby before the game started, but by the end, you know, it's like, well, hell, that that made obvious sense. How long does the credit for making what was obviously the right decision last this week? Let's say that JT Daniels is 90% healthy. He's ready to go. He wanted to go this Saturday. You know nobody wants to be out, uh, and he's going to be pushing to go. And the coach is like, well, I, I got a 90% JT Daniels, but I got 100% Stetson Bennett. And if he sticks with Stetson or something like that, does he get any credit from last week? Or is it Kirby doesn't know what the hell he's doing all over again? Well, it doesn't matter what – I mean, I looked on your site there after you made that projection, and I thought you were smoking some heavy dope. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that Stetson was going to start, but he made some good reasons, but there was like 18,000 pages of people, uh, you know, wanting to put Kirby in the insane asylum. Uh, so I think not, not all of them did, but, but I do feel like this, it's going to make whoever the quarterback is for this South Carolina game better knowing that you got a guy breathing down your throat yeah. both ways. You know what I mean? It's not like, uh, Hey, JT, you hadn't exactly lit it up in the game you played this year. You know what I mean? It, regardless how you look at it, didn't score a touchdown, you know? Uh, I mean, so nothing against him. I mean, he he, he had one turnover, one bad throw. But uh, so he's going to have to, you know, come back and, and hopefully have a good week of practice. And it's just not my Bailey wick here because I'm not out there. I don't see it. It's not for me to decide which one of them is going to be. And yeah. like, like I said earlier, he used to be the starting quarterback and he deserves the right to be the quarterback. If he can, first of all, be healthy enough and second, go out there and execute. But I like that the other guy is going to get a shot at it just because he deserved it. Good God. I mean, look what he, what he played. I mean, yeah, lights out. You just can't take for granted and give a kid couple pieces of candy at Halloween and then look in his bag and take one of them out just because, Hey, I, he, you know, he got some last year or something like that. Come on. Hey, <laughs> this kid deserves a shot at it. I think at least to start, I mean, if he can compete for it this week and if JT's a starter, then he, he, he earned it, you know? Yeah. The reaction to after you published your prediction in the three two one report on UGAsports.com that you thought Stetson Bennett would start, I was supremely disappointed in that for Stetson and for his family because he deserves more. I mean, this is a guy that came to Georgia as mainly a nobody in southeast Georgia. I think a, a lot of people knew his name, but he was not on the recruiting radar. Uh, if he was four inches taller, maybe that's a different thing, but it is what it is with him. And he left transferred, decided to come back to Georgia. And so, like, when Kirby says in the locker room after the game, this guy loves Georgia, 
this guy loves Georgia, and it's about darn time that Georgia loves him back. And, I mean, this is a whole family thing for the Bennett's. I, I was talking with someone over the weekend that spotted – it was Bennett's family in the sand, so I think it was his mother that he was talking about. That play in the third quarter where Stetson's running in the open field, and I think Coach on the watch-along show even said, get down, get down. Uh, every move that Stetson was making, they said that – I, again, I assume that it's his mom was making those same moves in the stands, like running with <laughs> him, mimicking the actions that she saw in the field. This means a lot to a lot of people. And like coach said, that's no reason to make your decision based on quarterbacks. But what I'm saying is combine that with the fact that he just had a record tying performance at Georgia and a half. And we haven't seen that often, regardless of the opponent uh, in the last few years in the passing game. And if people want to say arm strength, he hit Arian Smith in stride. Come on. Yes, he did. It, it's there. That, that, that's that's the there. biggest misconception uh, that, you know, people last year laughed at me about. I said he had a strong arm. Kirby mentioned it in the press conference about that. Uh, there, there's no question, you know, his arm is, I mean, he's, he's a shorter guy, but he's got a big time arm. I mean, stronger arm than Jake Fromm. I mean, without question. Uh, and that doesn't take anything away from Jake, but I mean, they both got good arms, but this guy can, let me tell you something. I haven't seen anybody hit that guy in stride that much. You know, I mean, everybody has said like in Cincinnati game, well, I wish we'd have hit him throwing the ball a little further, but you know, the rush was on JT in the Cincinnati game. You better get ready, but he's not, he, the touch passes he had, the one that he threw to Bowers down the boundary, just to, you know, just and, – and the one to uh, Kenny Mack was just – Kenny Mack caught him with one hand, but, you know, just flips it. But oh, I'm not going to get too enamored with – with uh, over this one game about uh, of what, what this guy did, but I have watched him in practice. I've seen him torch the defense. I've seen him do some things out there when he was just a freshman against the scout, scout team run. So he's got the capabilities, there's no question, but – Arm strength, savvy, escapability, knowledge of system, all that stuff he's got. Height, he doesn't. And he does, he's not going to get any taller. But uh, thank God he didn't have any passes knocked down the other day. That would have been the first thing, you know, hey, but uh, he didn't have any knockdowns. But uh, so let's – DJ had a couple – DJ had a couple knockdowns, but uh, apparently 6'3 is tall enough. Let's just know. go on to something else here before I uh, – I mean, certainly. <laughs> well, let, let, hang on a second. Let me – I want to mention something about our guy real quick. Uh, I want to touch on what Dane said about you know, Georgia loving him back. This guy helped you win the Rose Bowl. This guy helped you when your starting quarterback last year was floundering, even though he'd been told he wasn't going to get any playing time that year and he stuck around. He's sitting on third string. He's not getting any snaps for the ones or the twos this year. He sticks around and then – saves your bacon when you, when you need a, need a quarterback. So, folks, uh, when he was announced as a starter, I was listening to the fans, and there were some groans, and, you know, his mother heard him. And some of those people that did that should seriously be ashamed. That's just that's just an asshole move, and I don't appreciate it. Uh, I don't like people disparaging any Georgia player. It's not fair for what the, the amount of work those guys put in. So let's, as fans, try to be better than that. So uh, – I. I, I, I remember he was there for the whole Fromm versus Eason thing, you know, and he, uh, which, well, people say, well, when JT comes back, he'll automatically be put back in there when he's healthy. 
Eason came back, he was healthy, and he didn't automatically get put in there. It will be a competition. He'll have to fight for it. So as Coach said, you know, if he if JT's back in there, he will have earned it uh, because Kirby, as Dane says, was going to give Georgia the best chance to win. I know we got a lot of questions to get to, but <clears throat> first I want to mention our friends over at uh, Dead Soxie. They're our newest sponsor of the podcast, and we've given out or we are in the process of shipping out two of those uh, packages that we have of the uh, red and black socks. These are the lucky socks. These are the socks that helped you beat Clemson because we had a ton of people order them. Um, we also have a lot of people buying the no-shows and the red dress socks and the black dress socks and uh, the athletic ones. Our, fr our friends at Dead Socks, we make a fantastic, good-looking, comfortable sock. And the reason we sponsor them is they send us a bunch of them and said, try them out. And I'm like, socks are socks. And then I put on a pair and I'm like, holy crap, these socks are fantastic. And... I like the red and black ones. I mean, that's that's very cool looking. And, you know, I've, I've seen that they're lucky. So if you have a chance, swing by our friends at Dead Soxy. If you go by ugasports.com first, or, you know, if you just go straight to Dead Soxy, when you bring up the website, it pops up like a 10% uh, off or 20% off little coupon code, or you could give them your email address that you'll get a uh, discount. You can just skip that and go straight to the checkout and put in uh, promo code UGA Sports. Pretty simple. UGA Sports, you get 25% off. So that knocks off a ton of it. And when people do our score prediction, if you go to ugasports.com, and we'll put it up here in a bit, we'll say, look, predict the score of the Georgia versus South Carolina game. We've done this for the Clemson game. We've done it for the UAB game. We've had two different winners. We will send you this four-pack of socks as the uh, prize for it. So you get a nice little deal there. So uh, we've had people clamoring to win these socks, and there's a reason for it, because they're damn good. So uh, check out our friends at Dead Soxy and uh, let us know what you think. Also, uh, this Saturday, if you can't make it to the stadium, but you are in Athens, swing by our friends at Academia Brewing Company. They have a fantastic uh, game-watching experience. And for people who aren't going to Vandy next week, this would be the place to go. They've actually put together a, um, a partnership with Cutter's Pub, and they have a new game day IPA out there. It's a 6.6 .6 alcohol by volume beer. Uh, fantastic with its fresh orange, with an orange zest. You know, it's a, it's a great beer for drinking during the day, watching on a game or watching all the games. So swing by uh, Academia Brewing Company. Uh, they got the giant TV set up. They got the wings. They got all the food. It's a fantastic place to catch the game. Uh, they have the, the uh, beer garden outside. They have the lounge with the couches. It's just, it, it, you can't find a better place to watch the game than uh, over at Academia Brewing Company. Of course, they have, uh, live uh, bands on Thursdays. They have Trivia Tuesdays. Uh, there's always stuff going on out there. Great place to watch a Falcons game. And, uh, you need something. You need strong beer if you're going to watch a Falcons game. That's no – Yeah, I don't know if you want to be watching too many Falcons games. Just go hang out and drink beer. Just have it on, you know, and then get a flight of those beers where you try four different ones. That's a, I mean, seriously, they have great beers. I know what I want when I go in there, but if you get the flight and they, they have an old uh, barrel stave, you know, one of the barrel segments – and it has holes cut in, and they drop four glasses into it. So you try four of their uh, specialty beers out there. Uh, it's just a great way to do that. So reach out and hit them. I uh, I know we got a lot of questions to get to. Uh, let's let's jump on a few of those, Dane. Quickly, I did mention this on uh, Twitter over the weekend too. Two Todd Munkin quarterbacks threw for five touchdowns this weekend: Stetson Bennett, Jameis Winston. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was gosh. with him at the Buccaneers. Stop. <laughs> we need a new co-host. Uh, 
Yeah, that, that, that put my job in jeopardy. This is from UJ Alum 95, who tweets us every week with a good question. So thank you for doing that, UJ Alum 95. Great question. Uh, he tweets it to me and Roddy. He says, Coach, how concerned are you with Georgia's kicking game? Jack Podlesny now has missed a kick in each of the first few games. Well, it certainly worries you a little bit, uh, particularly the one against Clemson because it was so critical. But, you know, uh, he's got a good leg and he's got, he's been accurate and – it's the one issue that we haven't uh, looked good in as far as, you know, if, if you miss a couple field goals, then you start to worry a little bit. But our kick return game is good on the punts. We, we haven't had a chance much on kickoffs because people aren't scoring and they kick it out. And our uh, certainly our, uh, our overall punting has been good too. So, but, you know, it, it's, it's worthy of uh, that question. And it, it would be uh, something that, if it continues, it's going to make you worry a little bit, but the guy's been clutch based over, you know, and some guys get in the slump once in a while and, you know, miss a few. And, but I think the good thing about it right now, you know, hopefully the next couple of games, field goals aren't going to be that big a deal, but you know, in the Clemson game, it worried me. So, I mean, I haven't had a chance to watch him practice or anything, but you know, I don't think it's, or we, we would make a change or anything. We don't really have anybody challenging him. So just got to understand that, you know, kickers, I mean, I've had, I've had a lot of issues with kickers over the years and the best thing to do there is just look at their technique, but you sure don't want to try to get in their head now. I mean, you can get in a lot of people's head, but kicker, uh, you know, it's a different ball game there. So uh, you just yeah, gotta, you get in mind all the time. Yeah. I tried to. <laughs> Successful. What else you got here? You got a lot of room in there, baby. A uh, common question on the VIN at ugasports.com. This is uh, J Cheek 85, F Underwood, Lake Norman Dog, the Guitar Dog. They all ask about Georgia's running game so far. How does the offensive line get more push and how does the running game get more explosive? Yeah, I mean, seriously. Uh, the, the, the first thing is we played against a real good defense the first week and, and Clemson that, uh, you know, we didn't make a lot of first downs, so we didn't run the ball a lot. So I'm not near as concerned about a running game based on the first two weeks because the second week we were throwing the ball at will. I mean, we, you know, so you didn't really try to throw the ball, I mean, run the ball. So um, we're going to have a, we're going up against a good front this week. If you, everybody goes back to that South Carolina game that we lost in overtime, I mean, we couldn't run on South Carolina a lick in that game. I mean, they they were they were outstanding, and most of those guys are gone. But they got some guys back. Everybody knows how we try to recruit Birch and those guys. Uh, but their secondary now that secondary last week was rated pretty high. But talking to Brent Rollins, our pro football focus guy, uh, their grades and everything. But we you know we went by them and and did things. This South Carolina pass defense is. I mean, we 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 we're gonna be in pretty good shape now. <laughs> that sec- secondary. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that we're gonna need any chapstick because we're le- licking our lips so much. But uh, I, I mean, don't get mad at the running game against South Carolina because we probably won't try to run a lot. We just throw it because we can throw it. Yes. And that makes sense. Don't run right at Jordan Birch because that guy, I mean, there's not many bright spots in South Carolina. 
Yeah, and that he guy, is killing it right that, now. That transfer from uh, Georgia State, that Strahan guy, and then they got uh, or Strahan, however how you pronounce it, and then they got I can't pronounce the other guy E N G A B H R E. I mean, whatever how you pronounce his name, but he, he's bar. he's a stud too. Yeah. So uh, yeah, every, Georgia fall like hell to get Birch. Every I mean, time they tried everything. Every time Kirby. Looks at Must Champ. I watched the film this week. He's chewing Must Champ. How'd you recruit that guy? Why'd you? <laughs> oh, but uh, he's not doing that. But I certainly think there's their defensive line is going to make it tough on us. But uh, fortunately, we'll run RPOs on these guys and we'll throw the ball up and down the field a lot like we did in the game last year against them. You, you saw what our passing game was against them. So, uh, very, very good question. I mean, you know, a running game hasn't been quite as good as you would hope it'd be, but it's something we'll lean on. How, how much of that, the issues with the running game are based on the defense, as George is saying? It looked to me like, and again, I'm, I'm down on the field level, so I'm looking straight across. I can't, I don't have the view that you guys have on the watch along show, which, by the way, uh, great numbers on the watch along show. Everyone be sure to tune in. This uh, Saturday at 7 o'clock, watch Coach Donnan, Dane Young, Brent Rollins break down this game. Uh, you watch it in real time. You have the game on your TV, and then you have us on either a laptop or a tablet or your phone. Uh, it's a fantastic way to watch the game. And I want to know what you guys saw. Cause it seemed to me that uh, in the first game, you had those two high safeties. Uh, you had a great defensive front. They were basically saying, look, we're not going to let you throw deep on us. Uh, Clemson kind of took that away. But against uh, UAB last week, it seemed to me like everybody was up front and said, look, we're not going to let you run. And if they have you outnumbered, then it's a little bit tougher. Or am I just completely missing the point there, Coach? Well, I mean, you make a good point. But let's just let's just call it it is here, okay? The first game against Clemson, we worried about the pass rush. We threw the ball quickly through a lot of underneath routes, screens, and things like that, and made sure that we didn't get sacked. Gotcha. That was a that was an issue there. We had one interception and, and one sack, but we didn't have a lot of lost yardage play. Uh, this, and then everybody's worried about, hey, well, what happened to Georgia's passing game? Why, why aren't we throwing the ball? We came out of the – I mean, they came out of the Georgia Center. When they got on the bus, they were throwing the ball in the bus when they drove down there. I mean, it was on Muckin's mind. It was on Kirby's mind, and we threw it into oblivion. So we really weren't concerned about the run, and we probably could have. I mean, they they were, they got some good guys up front. I mean, they beat the team that beat Florida State, and I'm not saying that's much, but they, they shut Jacksonville State out 31 to nothing. Jacksonville State beat Florida State and went overtime with Notre Dame. So uh, I was amazed at how easily we threw the ball because I thought they're secondary. But the secondary was mad because they thought we were going to try to run, and then all of a sudden they pulled their pants down. So they they, they figured out that, hey, we could throw it too. And uh, I thought one of the most unbelievable things, when that guy got that interception for a touchdown and went over and put that turnover chain on, uh, at, at with the score 56 to seven, I'm just thinking, good Lord, man, this guy is totally out of, did you see that? I, I missed that. I, I was busy looking at, they have a great mascots. They have this giant dragon down the sideline. It's pretty badass. I'm telling you that, that just, uh, if I we were been, trying to figure out what it was, it was like a skull and crossbones. Skull and and like, crossbones. If I'd have been Bill Clark, I had a jerk that guy around. I know the kid was happy about it and everything, but you know, Seriously, man. And then uh, 
I tell you, one of the guys that was wasn't real happy with that interception. I'll give you three questions, three, three answers, and the first two don't count. Kirby Smart. Yeah, he was. He was. <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah. Not not only him, coach. Every defensive guy. They wanted that shutout, and I said it to, uh, on the post game show. The second team got in there; they're like, "No scores." It's you can just, hear them talking about it. It's just a point of contention every week. They like to have that, you know. I mean, get the goose egg, but but you know, you hate to give up a, 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 something like that. And I think uh, Edwards kind of lost the ball. It looked like he didn't figure out where the ball was coming. It wasn't that bad a throw, but uh, yeah. you know, um, at the same time, uh, Kirby. You know, he, he he's wants the defense to get shut out. I can blame him for that. What else we got here? The other thing that didn't make sense to me about UAB's necklace, their turnover necklace thing. So it's a skull and crossbones on the outside. But then it was like a dragon skull in the middle of it. Well, they're the Blazers. So if you're saying that you're the dragon slayers, no, on that day, Stetson Bennett was the dragon slayer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you're almost making fun of your own team in some ways. So I, I don't see the logic in it. It was goofy looking. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can't, you can't figure out some of these chains. I mean, I don't know. Every, every, you know, they all think about what's, what's makes, you know, what we put on like shoulder pads or something though, with spikes in it. Right? Yeah. Hey, we're getting some turnovers. I like it. I like it. Absolutely. Like kind of in that game. Uh, shout out to Keegan Ringo getting his first one. And while, uh, watching his mom celebrate, that was a feel-good story of the day right there. And uh, our, our continued prayers and uh, uh, best wishes for Traley Hale because she, she's amazing. We love her to death. Uh, Coach, I, I did have another question I want to ask you. Uh, you've said this a couple times, and I wanted you to break it down for our fans if you'd be so kind. You say that uh, having – uh, Stetson Bennett in there helps the run game. And a lot of people, you know, myself, until I started working with you, I'm like, well, the quarterback doesn't affect the run game. He hands the ball off and that's it. You don't have to worry about it anymore. But you're like, no, this really helps the run game. I'm like, he's not blocking, coach. So I get it now because you explained it to me. You taught me a lot about football over the years. But if you would, kind of explain it to our listeners uh, why a healthy Stetson Bennett in there helps Georgia's run game. Well, you know, we're not running the Herschel Walker offense or, right. you know, we're, we're, we're running the evolution of some components of the spread where, you know, the first thing you do is you you uh, have a run game that you call an RPO where you tag it with a pass. So by tagging it, it means that the run is going to be there. And if it's not, you have a route behind it to throw to a wide receiver or tight end or something like that, just so you don't have a bad run. It used to be if you had a run called and it was all jacked up there, you'd try to check to another run, but they came up with the idea rather than have the lineman have to get to all that. All you do is call the run and everybody blocks the run. And then if it's not there, you throw the pass. You don't have to check. It's just a, what they call a run pass option. The next thing is you have the runs where you have an actual read where, you know, it's based on what the defensive, the backside in or the backside backer or anything. If he's flowing, then you pull the ball and run it, you know, so that's another way to eliminate the pursuit. So, you know, it looks like sometimes on television, people where the defensive end, when you hand the ball off, will hit the guy from the backside 
Well, the threat with Bennett is that he's never going to do that because Bennett will pull it and run around the outside with it and he'll make him worry about it when he does it because he can get many yards. We saw that last year. So the effectiveness of him is he can, he really understands the offense. He, he, he knows the ins and outs and certainly uh, JT does too. I mean, for, for sure on the RPOs, but the actual reads where the quarterback runs, uh, you know, Bennett's kind of effectiveness a lot more because of his quickness and everything. And he's played that system. He played it at Jones junior college. He knows how to do all that. So it helps your running game to have a quarterback that has the threat of the run. And then in the play action game, when you run the bootlegs or the counter pass or whatever, when he goes on the edge, he's a threat to run the ball. I mean, they, they've got to contain him so they can't drop people off to get underneath these routes. They, they better contain him. So he's very good at that too. You know, he, you don't have to be real mobile to get outside, but you have to be, pretty mobile to make yards after you do. So those three issues certainly help you. And you add the last one, he can run the quarterback draw if they play five, you know, five under two deep, man, uh, there's nobody on the quarterback. And, and we had some quarterback predetermined runs last year when he was a quarterback where, you know, they got enough people to stop the, the, the uh, zone play uh, with their defense, but if the back is blocking and the quarterback's running it, then they don't have enough. So he, he's good enough to run some predetermined quarterback runs if you need them. I don't think we're going to use many of those, but it's there for us if we need it. So that's pretty much it. Awesome. Thanks. Another common question from the dog vent F Underwood, red and black in the day, and blocker 57 at ugasports.com all had a similar question. Allegedly. Washington. When Darnell Washington gets back in the fold, does Georgia roll him in with Bowers in the same formation? Do you keep those guys in the field at the same time? And then obviously people were just impressed with Bowers. Absolutely. You put those two out there. Absolutely. And just say, Hey, which one you want to guard? Uh, what's your poison here? Uh, I love, we used to call it because we were at Marshall, we call it Bison. It was two tight ends. That's we didn't use the numbers. We would call it, Pony, posse, things like that, because, you know, we just didn't use the numbers, but it's just a vernacular of how you do it. But I love me some bison. I love two tight ends because, first of all, if you have two tight ends, one on each side, and, and, and you don't do any motion or not, the defense has to be pretty balanced because you can go either way. Then you have the ability to put a wing on one side, a guy like Bowers right beside of him, or a guy like Bowers beside Fitzpatrick, and you got a heavy run formation with a slot to the field, or you can motion the guy across and get back to a balanced formation, or you can put the tight end out, you know, anywhere you want to. So 12 people, which is two tight ends, is one of the most common things that most people like to do for your running game. But when you got two guys like that in the passing game, Darnell going deep, Darnell going across the middle, all that stuff is good, but how about Bowers going deep? I mean, was there any question about that guy's jets when he took off? And uh, I will take credit for saying after first spring practice, I called Rodney up and I said, Brock Bowers, holy moly. 
I mean, you said something other than that. You didn't use, you didn't say Moe. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't use the word for, but I, I mean, seriously, that kid <laughs> uh, is, and Kirby just, I mean, we saw it in the first game. So, so all of a sudden, uh, Darnell, the big question with Darnell and with Taiki is conditioning. I mean, it's, it's tough when your foot's hurt to be, get back in condition. I mean, then you had to factor six, seven, two eighty. Uh, it's tough, and you know. So hopefully, Kirby said they're they're off the scooters and off the the uh, boots and all that. So I'm sure they're working at that, but they can't do it too hard because they got to be careful about hurting their foot. You know, I mean, you you got to let that be heal up too. So, but and. Uh, and hopefully Gilbert will be back too uh, soon. You know, from what I understand, he's taking classes and online stuff, and we get that guy back in there too. I mean, he was, a, he was the freshman of the year in the whole country. I mean, out of everybody in the country, he was a freshman receiver of the year. So, and George, I mean, I look at George and I go over there to get rehab or something. I say, hey, George, why don't you just go and play this week? <laughs> But, I mean, seriously, I mean, he's running straight ahead. He's doing all that. So, hopefully he can get in there by the time we play the Gators or end of the year. And this team all of a sudden goes from being really good to being, wow. Yeah, they're, they're lead. And, Coach, uh, we saw Kyrus Jackson returning a couple punts. He's not lined up at wide receiver yet. This is a guy who could be your leading receiver, as he's proven. Dominic Blaylock is that close. Yeah, I'd say Tom Blaylock this week's going to have a little bit of coming out party. I just think he's ready to go uh, based on what Kirby's been talking, you know, just reading between the lines. And yeah. uh, the thing about Dom is just like every team that you've ever watched that, you know, you, it's like last night when you're watching the Raiders, hey, they're, they're, they're going to go to that number 13. The kid that played for Clemson. Uh, I mean, they're going to throw the ball to him because he's going to catch it. If it's anywhere in the ballpark, he's going to catch it. And that's the way, Dom, uh, I read that pro football focus the year that he played. Every time he was targeted, he never dropped one pass. When the ball was on him, he never dropped one. So uh, uh, he's, he's a money-in-the-bank guy. And look at uh, Arian Smith. Ooh, uh, I mean, great over-the-shoulder catch, but I was wondering when they – were they saving it for the next game or something? They, I'd throw him four or five a game. I mean, just, just try to cover it. I will say about Kieris, just from the people that I've talked to, it sounds like that uh, he may just be dealing with with some knee discomfort for most of this season. Now, he may come out of it too, but, I mean, it's common for these guys to get knee scopes at the end of the year to see what's going on to, to fix minor things. But uh, to be a couple weeks into the season and far enough removed from the procedure that he had, I think it was back in early June, um, man, that guy's, that, that guy's tough as nails to be out there is what and I'll say. Pete, every, every kid out of Peach County is just – they're playing it smart. Man. I mean, he's we hadn't needed him. I mean, certainly we need him against Clemson and all that. But I think, you know, they're just saying, hey, we're going to use him for the conference games. And uh, and he looked good returning kicks. I mean, he was in a gnat's ass of making one go all the way. So, I mean, the, guy, the guy's got big-time skill. From, from my angle, watching him return, I think it was that second one. It was – I, I – 
guesstimated he was about a half yard away from taking it the whole way. Guy just barely slowed him down enough, but he's lights out. Hey, Coach, you're talking about the speed. Uh, Anthony Dasher in our group chat sent us a tweet from Recruiting Analytics. I'm not sure who they are, but they have uh, what they consider the top five maximum speeds from ball carriers this week. Uh, first one was the uh, Miami running back uh, who hit 22.1 miles an hour. Number two on the list, UGA tight end Brock Bowers, 21.9 miles per hour. Tight end. Well, no. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's, good, that's good, but. Hey, is Jordan Davis on the list? You know he what, should be. Play you know of the game. You know what kills me, though? Uh, not, doesn't, I mean, that's what, what really is people don't realize how fast Anderson and Smith are. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're playing that position and you run under four, six laser and you weigh as much as those guys do, I mean, and then you add, I mean, Carter and, I mean, uh, y'all did a good job on showing those sacks and everything, but is getting a human push back there every time. I mean, every time he takes off on the guy, he just pushes him back and just makes everything easier for these guys. And we're and all of a sudden, instead of you staying in your lane, you're, you're coming off the edge and running the twist. And then uh, Nicobe Dean's rushing or these, I mean, we got a good package there and uh, they're doing a great job utilizing it. And I know that these other teams aren't looking forward to playing against that front. I mean, it's just – it's well coached, first of all. It's heavily stocked. I mean, it's like a pond that you go out there and you just throw – keep throwing it out there. You just keep catching fish. I mean, these guys, we are heavily stocked there at that at that defensive front seven. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking South Carolina. There's a reason – Georgia's favored by 30-some-odd points, the highest point spread in this series ever. And to me, I don't – we've talked a lot about the quarterbacks because that's what we do, but to me, it's that front seven. Yeah, I, don't, I think the thing that, that South Carolina will do if, if I were playing us is a, a lot like uh, what looked like if they would have been in the game a little earlier that UAB, you just got to run right at us and hope you get a tie and get a good back to make a cut. I mean, yeah. we said, Hey, well, we gave up some yardage rushing. You're going to give up. You can't knock every offensive line back. They give scholarships. So best thing to do against us is run right at us. I, I mean, not because we're not thick and everything, but you go side to side against us. Hmm. No, Channing, Channing Tindall and I was about to say Roquan because I keep thinking of Roquan when I think of, uh, you know, Georgia's inside linebacker core. But with Quay Walker cutting through there and guys like that, it's just not going to – Nicobe Dean dropping guys on the blitz. And there were a couple times when Georgia blitz, they brought more than one guy. It was fun to watch, see who's going to get there first. You know what's interesting about South Carolina is uh, our friend Brent was t telling me, They've got three backs that have 17 carries or more that have done some pretty good job for them. One of them's a young guy, Juju, whatever his last name is. But, you know, Marshawn Lloyd's playing. But that Harris guy that was a second-team all-conference last year and got over 1,000 yards, he's hardly playing. He's been hurt. So they got some good backs. And then, you know, Zeb Nolan's come in there and is a 
knows what to do. I mean, how's that going to be a lifelong thrill for him? You know, always want to play uh, in the SEC. He's coming in here to play in his backyard. I don't know if he'll be the quarterback or will be Doty. If they put Doty in there, they'll do a lot of quarterback runs. But that's got to be a real thrill for Nolan coming in here to Sanford Stadium from Oconee County. I'm happy for him. But I doubt anybody's rooting for him in the Coney area is rooting for him in this game. They'll be, ha- they'll be very happy that he's there. But uh, speaking of the game, when it comes up this uh, Saturday, be sure to <coughs> get your uh, your pies in. You know, go to the your pie nearest you. Uh, go ahead and grab your phone. Today's a good day to do it because if you use the your pie app, you get double the points. Those points add up very fast. You get free pizzas, free breadsticks, free ice cream, free gelato. Uh, free salads, free sandwiches, all sorts of stuff like that. If you do it on Tuesdays, it's fan. Uh, you get double the points. But they also have the giant 14-inch pizzas. That's a new thing. You have to order those online. You pick them up or have them delivered. Uh, you do takeout. All the uh, restaurants are fantastic places to eat. They usually have beer on tap. A lot of the local beers. It's not just you know the uh, standards. They they are huge in their communities. All these Europeans will do these. Uh, charity events and uh, percentage nights for the local high schools and stuff like that. So hit up the Europeans. Uh, I'm, I'm big on the Southern heat, which has that Buffalo sauce, mozzarella cheese, chicken, red onions, and jalapenos. It's the best pizza I've probably ever had. Uh, I know other people like the great, my wife likes that great white. It's the uh, extra version olive oil, the feta cheese, the mozzarella cheese, and the ricotta cheese. She likes cheese. So she, she gets the great white. I get the Southern heat. My boy wants them all. He, Basically starts out with the, you know, they lay down the the crust, you know, uh, the, the dough, and then he puts the just about everything on it. That every meat, it, it's it's it gets about that thick. He keeps adding stuff to it, and you don't have to pay for each individual topping. So hit up our friends at Europe. They're huge sponsors of the show. They've been a sponsor. They're probably one of our longest running sponsors uh, of UGA Sports. And back when they only had one store, now they're. 70 stores. So hit up the Europe in your area and um, uh, take care of the people who take care of us. And also, if you're in town on Saturday or Sunday, it's late game. You know, you have time to get over to our friends over at Athens Ford. They have a lot of special deals running right now on their vehicles. They sponsor our watch along. So when you're watching that watch along, you're going to hear us talk about Athens Ford because they sponsor not only our website and not only this podcast, but they also sponsor the watch along. And we really appreciate it. I mean, the Brian over there is just a fantastic guy for taking care of us. But we have people that listen to our show. They go buy cars over there and they come back and tell us, hey, that was a fantastic experience. Thanks for mentioning them. And I'm like, no, thanks for buying a car from them. I mean, that's the whole reason they're sponsors to get their name out there to our fan base. These are big Georgia fans. And remember, it's Athens Ford. There's some names that are similar, but it's Athens Ford. Can't forget it. Just like Athens, Georgia. And right now they have a lot of great financing deals in like the 2021 Ford Mustang, the 2021 Ford Ranger, uh, the Ford, Ford Escape. Uh, basically 1.9% 1. financing for 60 months for qualified buyers. And if you want one of those 2021 Ford F-150s, you can get 0% for 72 months. So 0% financing for six years for qualified buyers. You can't miss that. And of course, everything you get from them has a lifetime powertrain warranty. Uh, they have the best uh used car selection because you also get a great warranty on those as well so hit up our friends at athens ford when you get a chance let's do a speed round here as we uh wrap the show in the next 10 or so minutes uh pine tree one ask thoughts on the development of channing tindall he's played really well so far yeah i mean channing's a fat first of all and you know he had to wait in his turn a little bit but he's 
definitely looks looks the part back there. He can chase down guys and he can play pass coverage. And, you know, I hope he can stay one more year and uh, really be a force. But uh, he, he's, he's a great backup at this point behind Quay. And, uh, you know, he's going to continue to be a, a real plus for us when we get into the dime package on passing situation. Just a real plus. I mean, I'm, I'm high on him. I Red. absolutely agree. That's a guy that uh, when I saw it, I joked with him. I said, you look like you filled out. He's like, he put on 15 pounds of muscle. He got faster as he got bigger. I, that was quite impressive. We talk about development for a guy to add that much muscle mass and to get that twitchier. That was impressive. He's, he's going to be a star. Red and Black in the day ask, how does the head coach's role evolve and change over the tenure of the job? For instance, what's the transition like from building a program to then feeding the dragon, so to speak, after it's established? Well, certainly both of them are tough. I mean, when you got to build one, you got to do, do so much. And Kirby has done a remarkable job here. Facilities with recruiting, everything that he's done has been fantastic. But uh, once you get to the level to maintain that, you just can't uh, take your foot off the hammer. You know, what have you done for me lately? And you got to yes. keep uh, evolving with the sport, you know, because uh, now we're doing dealing with NIL and transfer portal. And, and you know, now all of a sudden you're going to have expansion in the league. So, you you know, you just can't sit back and say, well, we, we you know, we got it made now. I mean, it's just a, a never ending cycle. And the biggest situation is personnel, your coaching staff and your team, because your team can, can constantly changes and you got to get to know the families and get to know the kids, how to motivate them and when to practice harder, when to let off the steam a little bit. And it's just uh, a never ending saga, really. BKUGA asks, and this is in relation to the question that was asked to Kirby smart about how much do you go to Will Muschamp this week asking him about South Carolina. Kirby kind of pooped that and said, we see all the film. So uh, BKUG asked, how often did you ask assistants about teams from previous coaching stops? Is there an advantage at all from that? Sure. I mean, you, you know, you can talk about a kid's strengths and weaknesses and is this kid as fast as he looks or is he, uh, you know, is, uh, look like he's got some uh, quickness issues or whatever it might be. You're at, going right to the horse's mouth because the guy was out there and practice with him. But uh, I always had a an arsenal of uh, people that I talked with uh, the week of the game that I that from other staffs, uh, not so much within the conference, but uh, you know, you as we always had. Let's just say uh, Miami played uh, Florida on Saturday. Well, on Sunday, regardless of who we were playing, I would call Jimmy Johnson or, you know, whoever the coach was at Miami. And uh, at that point, Jimmy Johnson wasn't coaching there anymore in Dallas. But I would call Coker or Butch Davis and just say, hey, tell me a little bit about them. What do you think? Blah, blah, blah. And then just keep a keep a library on, on these guys, even though you're playing them six weeks ahead. And uh, I would spend about two hours every Sunday, you know, on all our opponents talking and making notes because it's vivid in the coach's mind about, hey, what would you have done different or all that? And then you utilize that when you're scouting them and you look at it. I, I think back to 
I found a sheet when Georgia was look, looking to play Notre Dame and they had done a depth chart of each guy at Notre Dame and they had their tendencies, the detail they had that Georgia had on each of their scouting reports on these different players at Notre Dame, down to the fact that this guy closes his eyes at impact. You know, this guy is susceptible to looking this way and that way. When you have a guy is like – Is there anybody that doesn't? Well, I mean, it was just – it I was mean, on their notes. I'm just saying, you know. If uh, that's pretty funny, though, I, I like that. I mean, I like to see a guy that wouldn't close his eyes and impact. Well, I'm assuming they did it like before he, he maybe dropped his head or something like that. But it's okay. I wasn't. It's George's notes. Don't don't take it up with me. I wasn't you know? busting you on it. I'm just saying that seems kind of that's good. Well, then, I mean, that's bad scouting on George's part. If part yeah. of everybody does it, and they sure. don't need to note it. I'm just saying that's what was on their list. So you had a situation where these guys have super, super fine details on what uh, when they scout these guys. And if you have a guy like Will Muschamp who recruited him and coached him, I can't imagine the depth of knowledge that he's able to give you on each of these guys' tendencies and uh, strength and weak strengths and weaknesses. Exactly. Uh, you'll do good. You'll be good. Kirby kind of poo-pooed that. I mean, he, he's all over Muschamp, <laughs> and just like everybody was. Offense and defensive coaches were with DK talking to him about Clemson. I mean, yeah, of course. Guys, guys in the locker room with him, you know. I mean, he knows he knows them back and forth. I mean, you got a scouting report is important. I mean, you you got to scout the opponent to the max, man. And we got these analysts, and uh, we do a good job of that. I mean, these these guys are tendency wise and all that we we got so much stuff on them i don't know how they look at all of them last question know, Sports. One thing, i gotta say this real quick and then we'll get this last question back in 1972 i was coaching i mean 1969 i was coaching nc state which is a engineering school and this guy in the uh back then they were just computers starting to roll this guy comes over to the athletic department wants to speak to the football coach and he's not there and then there's not anybody else there and it's me and the guy said look i can do this scouting report for you on a computer and we can give you all this data and do all this and i'm thinking to myself this is really good but if i tell coach edwards who's who's about as old as you know hey he still believes in no face mask I can see them going up to him and say, hey, we got this computer scouting program we're going to use and everything. So I didn't tell him. I told the secondary coach and the defensive coach, and they loved it. And so we were one of the first schools ever to have a scouting uh, on computer, and, and it really was good. It, it saved you a lot of time. You had to take a data entry and take the, you know, off the film and put it in this, and then they would give you these stats and all. And, yeah, uh, but I, I knew that I couldn't ask Coach Edwards that. I mean, if I'd have told I love him. it. <laughs> That's so awesome. two things that I started that I feel good about in my career. Three things. I ran a tight end reverse, which was never run to Keith Jackson. They're going to play this week, and you'll see that play about 50,000 times. Fake 15, tight end reverse right, and Keith Jackson goes 88 yards against Nebraska. And then – Tomahawks that they put on the uh, uh, at Florida State, you know, tackling and catching passes and all that was my idea too. So 
I've had computers scouting tomahawks and then the tight end reverse. That's pretty much it. <laughs> that's why he's in the Hall of Fame, folks. It, no, it looks that's good on the resume. Back there. But uh, that was a real deal, though. When we call that play against Nebraska, we, you know, hey, we're playing to see who's going to go play for the national championship, and we're fighting for yards, and it's a tight game. And, here comes Oklahoma to the line of scrimmage. They're tied into the left. They fake the ball to the left. They hand the ball to Keith Jackson. He's going down the right sideline. He's going, he's going, Jim, and he Christmas. He's going to touchdown. <laughs> Watch it on YouTube. It's pretty good. I love it. <laughs> Let's get one final question in here. And this is from Billy Zane at UGASports.com. I think still a little shell-shocked from two seasons ago, the loss against South Carolina that year. Uh, he says Georgia's lost uh, an almost inexplicable game to an inferior team over the course of several years, multiple coaches coaching Georgia at the time. He says, as a coach, do you try not to worry about that and just trust your overall process? Or do you single out a game against a team like South Carolina and then heavy stress on focus or execution? Or how do you manage that? Well, you're always talking about your team, about the best chance they, this other team's got is for them, for us to lose it to them. That's the best shot. I mean, we, we're going to have to get, don't really get into a lot of negatives, but you got to avoid turnovers. You got to avoid penalties. You got to convert in the red zone. I mean, it's still the most inexplicable game I've ever seen. The team never got in the red zone the whole game and won the game, you know, in overtime. I mean, just unreal the fact that they could win that game. But because we gave them a pick six, we, you know, we turned the ball over in the overtime and all those things. And you give them credit. I mean, they, you got to give them credit. They took it. That was their best chance to win was make us lose. So you, you talk to our team about the way you handle that. It's preparation during the week. You don't take these guys for granted. You continue to take care of the ball. You don't get penalties. And I said this at the first of the show. I thought we looked a lot more smooth. Uh, you know, we, we, we weren't walking around looking where who's supposed to line up and things like that. We, we really did look really organized and that that was um, uh, impressive and that's what we got to do against South Carolina because you know last year we went down there and took care of business against them you, you saw it I mean it was just a mash and hopefully it'll be the same but you know everybody's thinking we're such, such an explosive team and all and we can be but it's not going to be like that against even though you're 30 points I mean hopefully it will be but uh, it, it's always a little bit of give and take so uh, we'll see how that goes but I'm excited about the fact that what's out there for us, if we can just get these guys healthy, man, oh man, I've seen some of these other teams and they don't worry me near as much as they used to. Amen on that. Uh, you know, it would help if Georgia doesn't let one guy have 37 interceptions in the game. Wasn't that our first uh, watch along party? It was the first or second, and it wasn't real happy for me. <laughs> it was the first one. Like, you guys suck at this. You ruined it. Yeah, but we've uh, done pretty well said. So be sure to watch the Watch Long uh, show this uh, coming Saturday at 7 o'clock and hit around the league this coming – what, are you guys doing it Thursday? Yeah, I see where we're in Vanderbilt. And there's a stat there uh, on the SEC Network at 12 o'clock. Georgia's 18-3 and three on the SEC Network. Pretty good. Not too shabby. Uh, shout out to Athens Ford, Your Pie Academia, and Dead Soxie. Don't forget to swing by our new uh, sponsors of Dead Soxie. Check them out. I know you folks are familiar with Academia, Your Pie, and Athens Ford. 
Uh, we really appreciate them coming on. And also, uh, when you catch the uh, uh, Around the League <laughs> podcast, our friends over at Lane's Barbecue are sponsoring that one. And I'm going to tell you, when I get off this show, I've got uh, some uh, chicken, grilled chicken in my kitchen over here that we, my wife put uh, their uh, habanero rub on, the honey habanero. That stuff is fantastic. So I know they're not a sponsor of this show, but they're a sponsor of UJ Sports in general. That Lane's Barbecue, that is some damn good stuff. So hit them up. And then, of course, check back next Tuesday. We will have uh, Coach John and Dane and myself here on the same channel. Please, uh, if you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple uh, Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. We'd greatly appreciate it. And hit subscribe to that YouTube channel. We would love for you to do that. I, I would take it as a personal favor if you would be so kind. For Dane, Coach John, and myself, take care. We'll see you next week.